1: Welcome back to the Barstoolers Premier League podcast. The lads are back after an international break where we're discussing all the madness that happened prior to the international break with both Liverpool and United losing by five goals each. We're also going to be discussing Project Big Picture, a project which would reshape English football. And of course we'll be looking ahead to the next round of games in the Premier League. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Barstoolers Premier League podcast. We're back to normal after last week's international break. How did you use cope, lads? International
2: football is awful. Likewise I have to say. It's it's not often I get the chance to watch Ireland and what a joyous
0: experience it was. But we did play well to be fair. So played well, but still didn't score a goal. It was just our playing better football. But it's just awful to watch play when You've got shite players like Shane Long playing up front. You
3: don't realise how much you miss the Barclays until there's a two-week span of just international ball. Oh,
2: good Must be just... nice
3: being French or something, you know, just
2: being good at an international.
1: But then again, if you're that good, yes. then you know you're just going to play Moldova and win six nil. So if anything, it's it's less interesting. At least Ireland don't expect anything.
2: Yeah, that is true. The tournaments are the only interest you get. Like, if, like mm-hmm. these lulls would just be. Awful. The only
0: time we've scored more than more in a match since, since McCarthy took over was Georgia at home. Not Georgia, Gibraltar. It's just shocking to watch.
1: And that was just about two as well. We scored in the last minute.
0: Yeah. And the first one was no goal as well.
1: Yeah. Fuck. That was an absolutely shocking match. Complete regret going to that one. But before the international break, there was a brilliant weekend of Premier League action. The first match that i seen on the Saturday was Le- Leeds against City. Uh, any thoughts on that
0: one? Leeds impress, and going forward, Sage uh, just haven't really hit the ground running at all yet this season. Good result against Wolves first game of the season. Thought they were gonna, thought they were gonna come out and try from the very start to show that they were gonna challenge Liverpool for the title this season. But very poor against Leicester, and I know they had one or two chances towards the end of that game against Leeds, but they still weren't any great shakes. Rodrigo had a few chances, and I think Leeds did the ball three times with it. So they might have even been lucky to come out of that game yeah. at
2: that point. Well, though Ederson played an absolute blinder in that game, has to be said. And I think it was great to watch, those who... That was my pick of the games the weekend, because just to see those two managers going at each other, tactics went completely out the window the second half. It was just a joy to watch, to be with you know
3: what Leeds didn't really come into it until about 20, 25 minutes of the first half. Like, City were fairly dominant. And then when Rodrigo came on the second half, he really changed you see the Sterling missing Leeds.
0: more big chances as well, though. Especially after Champions League. The only miss in the Champions League. Wondering if, if City have that finisher on their team that's going to help them try reclaim their Premier League title.
1: Yeah, City started the game really strongly, but then Leeds really came into it. City's attack was looking very fluid. Brilliant Sterling. De Bruyne had an unbelievable free kick that hit the post. Uh, but after that, I thought Leeds really grew into it. Rodrigo played well. One lad who came on at half, t- half time was Ian Poveda. And uh, he really caused the uh, city defensive problems. Uh, very direct, brilliant dribbling, really quick. I hadn't seen him play before, uh, but he actually signed from city. Uh, and I thought he made a real impact. I quite enjoyed uh, Gary Neville on commentary because Rodrigo was obviously playing and he was able to provide some actual good analysis on him because he managed them. And uh, he was on about how he played him on the right. And that, that clearly wasn't the right decision. So he sort of taken the piss out of himself for that. And, uh, just talked about how he's become a very good player after uh, he wasn't playing for Gary Neville, So I thought that was quite funny. Uh, but one thing that was clear from this match, a lot of matches this from last season and this season, but very clear, is that if you run at that City defence, you'll absolutely cause some problems. Because I don't know how good that Poveda guy is, but he caused some real problems. And you've seen it in several matches this season. If you just take the game to City, they're very vulnerable.
3: Even if you think back to last season when Wolves played them in the Etihad, like a damage or it was causing that City defence serious problems. He was just bombing at them, couldn't stop them. And it was the same with Liverpool, like Liverpool when they play City, especially at Anfield, they just attack them. Like quick on the break. City can't defend it. It's a real, real sort of weakness in their squad.
2: Yeah, I think that was always prevalent in City, but uh, they were when they were banging out 100 points, like Tack was so fluid and the style of play was just fantastic but now there's definitely frailties in that with Aguero and Jesus being missing the goals just aren't coming and they're playing a bit more conservative more possession based so uh, so
0: especially last year there was a few times last year where City ran away with games like 6 or 7 nil. but it was the second they came up against a team that was able to defend while City struggled to put them to bed I think it's just City's strong points definitely their attack but they've never really looked that brilliant in defence and especially Actually, last year and didn't have the port in there as well, they looked incredibly dodgy at the back.
1: Yeah, no, if I don't have most of the possession stats or anything like that from this game, but if you look at the shots and XG and stuff, it's clear that Leeds were probably the better team. A little bit hard done by to not get all three points. Then moving on to another game, uh, it was Leicester against West Ham. Uh, I think it was an early kickoff on Sunday. So Very much a surprise results. I think, James, you were the only one to predict the West Ham win. Yeah,
2: nothing's a surprise for me. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, yeah. It was 3-0 West Ham. Uh, just clear Leicester just couldn't handle. West Ham, uh, David Moyes managed them from home on Zoom, but they just kept just launching balls forward to the likes of Antonio and Leicester just couldn't deal with it at all. Suchek and Rice in the midfield were brilliant. The second goal was just the epitome of how the game went because it was Aaron Creswell just hoofed the ball, absolutely no direction. And it was uh, Pablo Fornals who managed to just latch on to it and score. Came out of absolutely nowhere. Just one long, aimless hoof upfield. And it was 2-0. Leicester played three at the back, which I wrote down at the start of the game. I thought that was weird because at home to West Ham, they usually play 4-2-3-1. They changed it for some reason and it didn't go well.
0: That's two games that David sat on the sideline. And the last two games, West Ham have hammered their opponents and two good opponents as well, like West, uh, Wolves and Leicester are two very good sides. Uh, Wolves maybe haven't been as impressed with the start of this season, but who knows how good Wolves are, and Leicester had been three win three before then, and three pretty convincing ones as well. So maybe it's just showing maybe West Ham do have the quality there. It's just the manager. Because I don't think Irvine's that great a manager either. It's just David Moyes is utterly hopeless, in my opinion, anyway. And you can see that just without him there, they play so much better football.
2: We uh, punned there, Ronan. It was very unintentional. But uh, yeah, I I see these results coming down the pipeline. So it's no surprise to me. Obviously, the prediction king, I uh, don't have much to say about the game. But wait till you see. 3-1 was going to be the scoreline. And Ronan's man, Harvey Barnes, had a good ruled out by, by a margin.
1: And uh, that would have been me with all three points. So... Justice it's zero shots from Leicester in that game. I in the predicting game, I didn't really back Leicester at all in the first couple of games, and they did brilliantly. And then the first time, I think I predicted them to win and to lose 3 0. Just couldn't deal with that expectation. West Ham had 33 percent possession, they had six shots on target to Leicester zero. So a bit of a basket case of result. definitely unexpected, but brilliant result for West Ham.
3: Do you think with Leicester, like you don't really play three centre backs unless you have a sort of weakness. Like, I know England play with three centre-backs because they can But in terms of like Dave Harry Maguire and like Stones maybe. But Leicester have two grand centre-backs in Sionchu and Johnny Evans. But they, they can play four. And then they have the two good full-backs, Castagna and um, uh, Justin Pereira become back from injury. But um, it's just weird to see them change that formation and cost them the game. Maybe it's just Brad Rogers is
0: completely incompetent at playing <laughs> three at the back. So remember he played three at the back against uh, United at Old Trafford and Liverpool got absolutely spanked that match as well. Bizarre to me that he actually would change it considering how well Leicester I started the season.
2: Take all these fixtures with a grain of salt. Like the champions of the Premier League conceded seven goals. This is insane. Uh, teams are unfit. I, I don't know what's going on, to be honest with you.
1: The meat of the discussion, the United and Liverpool games. So United shipped six goals to Spurs. I only watched... Most of the first half, I switched it off after the fourth goal, um, not because I didn't want to watch it, although I didn't really object to having to turn it off. Yeah, it was a fast start for United. Martial won the penalty, so we went one nil up inside a minute or two minutes, maybe, with you know the penalty having time to take it. Uh, so it was looking very good, and then Spurs hit back and were two one up just a couple of minutes later. It was Shaw who didn't deal with the ball initially. And then Shaw and Maguire got in a mix-up. Ndombele scored. Uh, just the performance was really sloppy. And I actually think in the first 15, 20 minutes, United weren't really that bad. It was just an extremely sloppy game. And the both teams just looked all over the shop. Spurs managed to go 2-1 up in that time. And then the red card came. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that red. Very soft. It's
3: very funny it could have gone either way like if mm. it was Lamella sort of swung for Martial first and it was just because Lamella went down it was a book it was really funny and then I see, Oh, I thought it was Pogba initially but then um, when you see all the replays it was
0: Martial but it was just a silly record I thought it was absolutely hilarious the way Lamella went down he was like yeah sorry lad just kind of have to do this
1: yeah gotta respect it honestly
0: yeah <laughs> just, I don't just... blame him oh yeah. I do the exact same thing myself if, but like United fan you would be fairly pissed off that was given against you <laughs> Oh, yeah, he would be more pissed off at the referee.
1: Yeah, because surely you've got to send both off or not neither. Because they did the same thing pretty much.
0: Yeah. Best solution now is just give both yellow card. It's it's. Yeah, I don't think it's a red anyway. Yeah,
1: no, it's yeah, it was really sloppy. But then United, I had here uh, closing off the space well, you know, good pressing, and that very soon went to shit because uh, we were very bad at it. <laughs> um, but they were fairly dominant Spurs. Or certainly the better team up until the red card. And then after that, it was a non-contest. Did you watch the whole game? Did, did you get the whole picture?
3: I watched it all because I thought it was funny. And little did I know what was coming on that afternoon.
1: Yeah. But exactly. it was
3: just rapid-fire Spurs. They were just banging them in and Son just on the break was he was just deadly. He's so yeah, good. I was watching
2: with awe when big Sonny that I didn't take into my normal team have in my draft team just was put up with the goods in a big way. So from that perspective, and I also predicted as far as
0: win, I was just loving life. It was it was fantastic. Absolutely huge fan of the the way look Mourinho gave the camera at the end of there. The man thrives
3: off drama. And patting so Patton Ali on the head, he was waiting for that one. <laughs>
0: that, was, that was ten months in the making was sh- <laughs> it
1: just Mourinho just doesn't get any
0: sleep for those 10 months. <laughs> oh, he's just, the man is unbelievable holding grudges. He just doesn't let go. <laughs>
1: yeah, much to his detriment at times in his career, but not this time. Um, yeah, Um I just have one note. There was a lot of calls for Eric Boye to come in place of Victor Lindelof. That did happen, but in my opinion, Eric Boye is not as good as Victor Lindelof. And that's not to say Lindelof's anything special. Just... Purely by being there, Eric Bi just causes panic. I cannot believe that we managed to play Eric Bi and Marcus Rojo beside each other for one or two seasons. Absolute chaos at the back. It's never going to go well.
0: Just another agenda here. This is agenda on a par with uh, James Hudson agenda.
1: Yeah, no, he's well, yeah, like he had the double block though
2: before the penalty incident for the corner, didn't he?
1: I know. Yeah, Yeah, like he's a good, good. He's a good last ditch defender, but even the way he defends those, it's he just throws himself at the ball. He just absolutely it's, it's causes like, chaos.
0: It's like we touched on a transfer special. It's bizarre how bad you know you're defending, and they weren't even linked to another. Yeah, it's and half.
3: ridiculous. I, that, that's the one place that they needed to get someone, and now I'm gonna have to wait till January.
0: Yeah, uh, it's hard to know, but
1: like last season, I, I do agree we needed to upgrade on Lindelof. I said that in the summer, but last season we it's generally pretty good. Uh, We conceded one more goal than City, I think, four more than Liverpool. Kept, I think, one of the most clean sheets in Europe, although that's probably helped by playing in the Europa League and stuff. But generally speaking, it wasn't that bad.
0: You're also at risk of being compared to City in that respect. You've spent like 500 million on defenders since Pep Guardiola come in and there's still no great shakes at the back. Mm. so you're at risk of, that, of doing that as well if you go up and spend a little 50 million on or centre or half and still end up conceding the same amount of goals especially after spending 8 million on Maguire
1: yeah, well there was high hopes for two in Zebe last season and it just didn't really happen because of fitness so if he can get himself fit and just keep injuries away could be a good addition there he's highly rated by people at the club moving on to arguably an even more bizarre game Aston Villa 7 Liverpool 2 what are your initial thoughts on this game?
0: There's only one Vince. We just gave up.
3: Yeah, it was shocking. Joe Gomez should have come for halftime. Adrian just needs to get executed. <laughs> see,
0: it was dreadful. See, I, I give me Gomez is more at fault for that first goal than Adrian. Like he should have been able oh, no. to get to that it mm. It's yeah. bad, but like at that stage. Especially after the Liverpool game, local players should know how bad yeah, wasn't it? Robertson in finished into his him the feet ball. for the first goal like a ph-
2: phenomenal <laughs> pace. What is he doing? <laughs> what
0: is he doing? You know, yeah. So. Gomez didn't come himself in great light either, in fairness, though. No, I thought he Gomes was very a shite. Absolute
2: shit. Yeah, Gomez is overrated just because he's English again. But uh, look, like it, this will sort itself out. This is a freak result, three mad deflections. But it, it was hilarious. But it definitely could. Come a worry for Liverpool, uh, just the different players I've seen since the restart, Liverpool have not as good, and that's just
0: bad. So Defensively, we've now conceded we've seen 11 league goals in the opening four matches, which obviously you've got that standout 7-2, but we also conceded 3 against Leeds, and if it wasn't for Alisson, we would have conceded 2 or 3 against Arsenal as well. But defensively, Liverpool, which is normally the last two seasons Liverpool have kind of prided themselves on how good we've been defensively, to be shipping goals and chances like that is... Not a great sign at all. and it's something, every, every time I watch Liverpool play, he goes on commentary. And every single time it fails, he gives it about Liverpool's high press. And the fact that Liverpool kind of play that high line and try to play offside. And yeah, it seems to work for the last two seasons. But when you're giving away that many chances and this league's going to be a bit closer to CGG, you have to ask, do Liverpool have to reconsider the defensive style of play? It's, yeah. The
3: worrying thing now is Alisson's injured for a couple of weeks so we're going to be stuck with Adrian for three or four weeks now so that's the worrying thing I think in terms of defensive sense for Liverpool uh,
1: Yeah, no, I do think it's a basket case of a result I, I, It is an anomaly and I don't think Liverpool are going to play like that again but I do think there's enough evidence to suggest that if you can just play long balls and just turn Liverpool's defence you can really get at them You've seen it with Leeds You've seen it with Villa it was it, there was patterns emerging there. You can just whip balls up down the flank because Van Dijk, he's not slow, but he you know he's not super quick. Joe Gomez is quick, but I don't know if the quality's there. And then with Robertson and Trent pushing up, that just leaves quite a lot of space. Fabinho had the work of about ten men in this game, uh, and he just wasn't able to do it. He usually is, but if you can just turn Liverpool, get down the flanks, you can really get at them.
3: I'll have to disagree with you there. Van Dijk is absolutely rapid. He's so quick. I wouldn't say he is very rapid, quick. Yeah, but, but he's like,
2: not. Yeah. didn't he clock though one of the fastest? Like, it's it doesn't really matter anyway. It's just throw away against Barcelona in the three-one at the new Camp yeah. or three He was the fastest player in the Champions
3: League yeah.
1: that season. Yeah, serious. Sprint like, speed, acceleration, that initial couple yards. Yes, I don't know,
2: but. Like Widge dropped his head in something serious. I think Wayne Naldum like, would have loved to see him go for 20, 30 million, I think just get him out the door. Like we just have a lot of bodies in that midfield surplus to requirement. Like Jordan Henderson, we needed him back. Need Thiago back. We need the the top three midfield firing. And um, yeah, that's and not be able to even
0: come into start a midfield now. And I don't think he's he's not been a successful Liverpool by any stretch of the imagination. I do think he's a good footballer, but. I wouldn't put him on my starting tree in the midfield for liverpool like i think ideally liverpool's starting tree would be for playing deep henderson is kind of like the engine in the midfield there and then tiago kind of has the creative spark in the midfield that would be my idea midfield i don't know about you but then again like make a touch the palm, palm adrian liverpool being linked to jack butland this week to replace adrian i don't know if there's been any more made of that but even at that jack butland is he's, he's not lit up the potential at all that people thought he was going to be when he was younger and I genuinely don't think he's that much better than Adrian, although he can't be much worse than mm-hmm. fairness.
3: Find the midfield and the defence. We need Firmino gone. Mbappe in 2021, Mbappe to they Liverpool. It's going to happen. They?
0: Well, yeah, they so... don't have that much money, but they're not going to spend that much money, be realistic.
1: I think you've got to give Villa some credit as well. I thought they were brilliant. Ross Barkley was really good. Greenish was fantastic. Ollie Watkins obviously got the hat-trick. He looks like a really good finisher. Uh we touch upon this in the transfer special. I, I do think they'll probably stay up now with the additions of Barclay and Watkins
0: Well, it's that as well, and you can't score seven and go uh you can't score seven goals against Liverpool without playing somewhat well. Of course, of course bad mistake from Adrian and three wicked deflections, but they still played well, you can't take it away from them. And they have won their first four games of the Premier League this season. Like that's gonna be a huge boost come towards the end of the season, no matter how bad they end up playing in the rest of the season. 12 points out of 12, gives them a lot more leeway in that relegation battle come towards the last 10 games of the
1: season. So an absolute basket case of a weekend in the Premier League. Do you think the lack of fans is starting to affect games now? I think that's why we're seeing such weird results and such high of goals.
3: So I just imagine United losing 6-1 at home to Spurs with a full crowd there, the fans will be hounding them. Like, it's a lot easier now for players just to sort of give up. Yeah, I know that's easy for me to say, like, sad at home, but the is like, you're down like five, four or five goals. Like, they're not going to be bothered to keep tracking back and putting the pressure on. But if the fans are at them, screaming down like, it's a completely different picture for the players. Yeah. I yeah. think we're the really other- sassy,
2: yeah. Another piece of the puzzle, obviously, could be principally a fitness issue too. Like, but you think but Pogba having COVID and the state of him that first game back for United, like, just looked off the pace? A lot of players are looking really off the pace, and that could be the training game element of the whole thing. That it just does feel like a bit of a training game when you go a couple down. Fans do impact. While well, a lot talking about the new proposals that have been drafted for the the league, but um,
1: crazy they, they underestimate how much fans impact games. That is definitely f- for sure. Moving on to this sort of segment of its own we haven't really talk, done anything like this in the podcast so far but there's been proposals drawn up principally by john henry this is an exclusive uh, from the telegraph project big picture now under this it would see a complete reform of english football for the first time since 1992 when the top division separated from the rest of the football league and created the premier league It's got a lot of bad press, but I think it's a really complex situation. There's a lot of positives and negatives for all clubs, but essentially the bottom line is that this would give all the power, well, not all the power, but the majority of the power to the top six clubs. At the minute, it's one club, one vote. So any issue that's brought up in the Premier League, each club gets a vote in it, which seems fair. But under this, the top six clubs would have the majority of the power on these decisions. The only thing is, is that EFL clubs are very supportive of it. I think all 72 clubs are in support of this new proposition because this would pay $250 automatically to the EFL, all the clubs, and then future 25% of any Premier League TV deal for these teams in the Football League. Uh, But it would essentially, it would bring the rest of the Football League closer to the sort of lower Premier League clubs mid-table, but then it would drive the top six clubs completely away. So it would make most football clubs more sustainable, but then the top six clubs would be completely untouchable. They'd absolutely pull away from the rest.
0: I was to propose myself, the propose as it is at the minute for any major change to take place in English football is 14 of the 20 Premier League clubs. There has to be a 14 to 20 majority for a decision to be made and the proposed change is that the nine longer Premier League clubs which is the big six Everton, Southampton and West Ham have the power and out of these nine only six out of the nine have to agree on policies so that's the big six can just come around and say well we're all going to agree on this because it's, it's going to suit the six of us the best Yeah so, that's the
2: most detail there absolutely Ronan you've hit the nail on the head Like
0: It's going to help EFL clubs financially and I think if they came around and said this and didn't propose the two teams go down and said this as a temporary thing where they're saying oh you don't just a few seasons with the global pandemic, and that we're still in money, we're not overly affected by this. If we give you money for a few seasons, but for those maybe three or four seasons, we get the power. I think people will be a lot more open to that. But obviously, if you're a Liverpool or Man United and you see a chance for you to have all the power in the game, you're going to want to take it. There were a few other things there talking about fans at games, they were talking about a 20 pound cap for away fans. Yes,
2: that and increase in allocation
0: as well. Increase in yeah. allocation, so a minimum three thousand or eight percent of allocation. So Liverpool's allocation go up to what something like five thousand, five and a half thousand, be eight thousand, Old trap or whatever. Do you think is, like if you had a club like Bournemouth or Dash in the Premier League, who have a small stadium so sort of capacity of only like ten, eleven thousand, that means that's nearly half the stadiums going to away fans. And, uh, I think it's the optics of the situation
2: because I think the big uh, six teams were trying to consolidate this power that they already possess. But it's something that we don't want to admit that is already there. You just don't want to look at it. It's the elephant in the room, per se. Like they, And then the whole six of nine majority. So they can just overrule the three happen to be their clubs, being Southampton, Everton and West Ham, I believe, yeah. And like look at the grand institution. that is Leeds United, Aston Villa, these big gargantuan football names. Obviously, not in terms of revenue and stuff now, but like they're going to be left out of the picture. I just think it stinks and they're giving crumbs to the EFL and this ultimately is better than what they have now. But it just means that you're not going to have that football dream, that romanticism, oh, can my club become a Premier League? Reality is they probably can't at the minute. So I'd say maybe just accept the deal. It's probably going to be as good as you're going to get and just accept the reality that the big six have the big six. And it's not my point of view. I don't like it, but it's the way things are.
3: Like it's sure. already hard enough to get into Premier League and now having two teams less it's gonna be even harder. It's good in the short term for like the likes of championship clubs like a financial gain, but like come like ten years down the line, teams haven't been in the Premier League like for twenty, thirty years, like it's gonna be awful for the fans.
0: I think as well, if we go to eighteen teams, it's probably gonna be similar to something like the Bundesliga have now. The Bundesliga is eighteen teams, two go down, one goes into a playoff. So I think the top of the championship wouldn't be affected that much in terms of just promotion playoff. So it would probably just be top two up, four teams playing a playoff, then the winner of that playoff plays a Premier League team, which then makes it harder for teams that don't finish the top two. And then along with that two teams going down, there will probably be an increase in numbers of teams to at least the championship League One or League Two, which are all incredibly hard divisions to get in. One team in anyway. each
2: division, yeah. One in yes.
0: the championship, one in the League One. So it's just makes it really difficult to get in promised land. Um, I think James makes like a good point. I mean, realistically, the top six, the amount of money they have compared to the other clubs is the run of the But I don't think it is the best thing for English football. Yeah,
1: I know what James was saying about just accepting that the top six clubs are way ahead. And I completely agree. But the problem is, is that at the moment, it's one club, one vote. So if the top six clubs said... What about if we reform the Premier League again and it's just us six? Who's going to stop them? You know, with the one club, one vote, at least some of the interests of the smaller clubs are being looked after, even if they are kind of untouchable in terms of finishing above them.
2: It's, yeah, it's, it's how much does that 25% of yearly revenue mean to you? It's like, is that the trade off? Because John Henry and all these are hedge fund managers, these know, these guys know how to crunch their numbers. So, Obviously, it's a very favourite in in uh, terms of Liverpool. You're absolutely right. Like, but I think there's some merit now. I wouldn't like to see it myself in all the big clubs, if you don't mind me saying, fucking off to European <laughs> Super League and just letting the Premier League do what the Premier League does with the minus the six clubs. I think that would be a more healthier league, potentially.
0: Owners of the FL clubs and the employers of the clubs may look at the extra money and be like, oh, this is good for us. But then fans will look at it and be like, well, this is bad for us because... you." maybe we have more money but there's no chance of us getting to the premier league or even if you're a league two being like oh it's going to be a lot harder for me to get up into league 1 of the championship which like if you look at the likes of uh, Luton and Lincoln um, I don't think I think Lincoln are still league 1 but Luton were a non league team 3 or 4 years ago and they're in the championship now and i think they've had a pretty good start to the championship season it just makes it that much harder for teams in the lower divisions to move up which is what ultimately what football fans want I mean, football fans want the club to be financially stable, but they also want to see their team do well on the pitch and have that chance to go to bigger teams and go to bigger stadiums, even if that is going from League Two to Championship.
3: Yeah, Connell already um, touched on it that there was um salary cap being implemented like that can be good, but it's more for the top six. I'd see that being good for because obviously City can't pay. All wages, like I know, the in the American sports like NFL, NBA, they already have a salary cap, so they can't just have everyone. That's good. So, um, I think even the big six having a salary cap, t- things might become more even, which could make it more interesting to watch. But I have to say, I'm not in favour of this um big objective.
1: Yeah, but some on.
2: sources might have you believe Pep gets half of his
3: unofficial
2: wages from offshore accounts. So there's always ways around for, especially for City.
0: If the salary cap implemented on the big six in England, but there isn't one applied across Europe. That just means any of the players, any of the really good players, are going to be offered incredible wages from the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, PSG, and they'll just go to those clubs. So my if something like that happened, it would. Ha- I feel like that would have to be a Europe-wide yeah. Uh, implementation.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, very true. It's definitely a complex issue. Some people paint it out to be the devil itself and... If there is some positives to it, but if you had to vote in it, what way would you be voting?
0: I would probably vote against it. It, it de- depends on my
2: perspective. If I was in the big six, I'd obviously bite your hand off for it, but there's not many clubs like that, so I'd probably say no.
3: If I was like a manager or like chairman of one of these big clubs, you'd be dying for it, but as a fan, um, I'd be against it.
1: Yeah, I think there definitely is some decent stuff in it for the smaller clubs, but generally speaking it is a unanimous decision from our part that this is, would be a bad thing. I think it's being voted on, well, not voted on, but certainly discussed tomorrow or today when this is out on the Wednesday. Right, so going into the predictions. So the prediction league at the minute is Ronan bottom with seven. Uh, I'm above them now on nine. Mixer, you got zero points this week. You're still on 10. I'm pulling out. <laughs> 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 I'm pulling out in front is James on 16. So your outlandish predictions are getting you somewhere, James. Okay, so yeah. first match of the weekend. We've got the Merseyside Derby. So Everton at home to Liverpool. Two teams generally in good form. Everton have been fantastic. Liverpool have been largely good, if you forget that Aston Villa game. So I was half tempted to say Everton would win this. It's at Goodison, but... There's been really good but at the end of the day they're still Everton so I couldn't put my neck out in the line and predict a win so I've went for a fairly entertaining 2-2 draw
0: I've gone for a 2-0 Everton win because Adrian's a shit bastard
2: <laughs> <laughs> Adrian is terrible but I'm going to say 6-1 Liverpool
1: <laughs> fuck's sake
0: oh, god. <laughs> <laughs> shut the f- oh <laughs> my god
1: sorry 16 points in the, the league. Uh, that's
2: all I have to say
3: all he has to do is predict a Liverpool win, and he gets the point. It doesn't matter if he says 6-1, 18-0. It doesn't matter. He's just getting wins right. Oh, it
1: is what it <laughs> is. It's
3: disgraceful. Uh, one for a good 0-0. Uh, 0-0. Nil, 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 nil. Um, yeah, just a hopeless Liverpool-Merseyside derby at Goodison. Just, yeah,
1: not optimistic at all. Okay, so only one person predicting Liverpool win there. Interesting. And that's going to stand to him because Liverpool will probably just win 2-0 and he'll be the only one to get a point. But anyway, uh, so the next game, another really good game on the Saturday is City at home to Arsenal. Two teams in in different form, I would say. Uh, But again, as Ronan keeps saying on the podcast, City are good. So it's very hard to predict against them. I could definitely see Arsenal causing them problems like they did in the FA Cup semi-final last year. But... I don't have enough confidence to actually predict it. So I'm just going with a pretty comfortable 2-0 City win. Our quad will just be too much.
0: I've gone for a 3-1 City win because City are good. Actually, I'm going to change that. I'm going to take a leaf out of Jambos' book. Fucking 10-2 to City. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it. The, the game is in
1: disrepute.
0: <laughs> me as well. <laughs> I... You've gone for a
2: Manchester City 4 goals to Arsenal 4 goals Let's go, game of the weekend
3: uh, I see Arsenal being too sad After the departure of the beloved <laughs> Gunnersaurus uh, I think Pep's just gonna Get the cock out 4-0 Oh fuck Oh fuck
1: Go back. I'm staying in the pond. <laughs> Yeah, I keep that in. Going on to the next game, we've got another derby, kind of. It's Palace at home to Brighton. It's one of the strangest rivalries, but it's a rivalry nonetheless. It, if fans were there, it'll be getting hostile, no doubt about it. They really do hate each other. All stems from some, I think just one match, I think, in the 80s or something that was really rough. Lots of big tackles going in. I think it's all stemmed from that. It's They're two very different teams. Palace, obviously, under Hodgson. Just two banks of forwards, to sit back. Brighton, completely different under Graham Potter. Play really good progressive football, but they are a little bit toothless. So I'm just going to go with a pretty boring 1-0 Palace win. I'm going for a
0: fuck-off 7-4 win for Brighton. I'm just going (laughs) full-on in jams at the tactic at this stage. That's what I've done. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go for a 2-1.
2: Palace win. I feel like they're due a win. And I think, yeah, you're right. I think Brighton are a bit tootless and they're lucky getting penalties from Mupai doing his Penankas Let's give let's just fuck off Mupai, huh?
3: I'm gonna go for a two two. I think um Connolly Mopai goals and then uh just whatever from Palace. I just think it'll be an interesting game to watch two sides and start the season relatively well considering they'll be in and around the relegation battle, but looking forward to that one.
1: And then the fourth game is another rivalry, again, kind of. It's Spurs against West Ham. So it is a London derby, but maybe not the most intense one. West Ham, obviously, with Millwall, Spurs with Arsenal. Uh, But there's a fair bit of hate between the fans, I would say. Probably more so on West Ham's part, because they're just that much smaller. But Spurs, after that disastrous first game against Everton, have looked pretty good. And just the individual quality they have with the likes of Son and Kane, it's just too much for West Ham, I think. So i going to go with a 3-1 win to Spurs. I'm going
0: to go 5-3 for Spurs. I feel like David Moyes coming back is going to destroy any sense of goal being played by West They'll still stump out Bass or the way the tree goes. And Spurs, Mourinho will, I don't know, maybe get them playing good football. Very... Solid analysis from myself here. Five three Spurs.
2: Five one Spurs. I have nothing to say. This, this is just.
0: You prefer not to be, speak. It's gonna be fantastic. I yeah. think we've just given up, Karen. At this stage a bit of the predictions, have we?
3: Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit them, hit them with a, a three one Spurs. Uh, I think since our first pod, I'd have to change my relegation thinking. will stay up, and the Amers will go down. So I think they're destined for
1: an L on behalf of Jose Mourinho. And the last match we're going to predict is pretty interesting one. Leeds at home to Wolves, so two sort of contrasting styles. Uh, but I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. I think the both of the teams won't really know how to approach each other. It'll be a little bit cagey, so I'm just going to go with a low-scoring draw, 1-1. I, I'm
0: going to go for uh, a 4-2 Wolves victory
1: because why not? I am gonna go for a two-all. Yeah, I think similarly they're not gonna know
2: what approaches to go with. And um, but Nuno does need something at the moment. Uh, it's Just hard to know what way it's gonna go. Uh, so, so yeah, two-two.
3: Um, I have a two-two as well. I Have to painfully agree with James with the score. Just I like I've really liked the way Leeds have been playing this season. But um, I think Wolves will like Jimenez quality striker Leeds defence not. Great. Uh, no, no need to get something out of this game because it hasn't been a great start for them.
1: So that just about rounds up this week's podcast. Uh, so just want to say again, thanks very much for watching. The last transfer special we had was very well received, I think. We've surpassed 50 subscribers now. So please do like, subscribe. It really helps us. Comment any feedback, uh, even criticism. You can go absolutely go in on us. Just uh, just give us some feedback. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. And as ever, we'll be back next week to discuss some actual Premier League football. Unbelievable.